Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Triangles Meditation Group webinar. Today is February 27th, 2023. We are glad to have all of you joining us here today. Before we begin, let us join together and sound the noontime recollection. We know, O Lord of life and love, about the need. Touch our hearts anew with love, that we too may love and give. So thank you all for being here today at this Triangles Meditation Group webinar. Um, this webinar meets every, um, every week on Monday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Uh, UK Time, and uh, 9 p.m. in Central Europe. And it meets for two, um, two really specific purposes. The first is to introduce the work of triangles to people who are new to it and to aid them in the forming of new triangles. The second is to create a platform for people who are already members to come together each week and to participate in a meditative visualization in support of the work. And so if you'd like to form a triangle today, um, whether you're new to the work or perhaps you're a returning member and have maybe already a few triangles established. But if you'd like to make a triangle, please put your name into the chat box and hopefully we can find um, two other people who will agree to link with you um, and, to, and to create that triangle. So for those of you that are new to the work, I'll just say very briefly that the triangles work is a a very simple visualization technique which uses the power of thought and the prayer to um, transform human consciousness. Essentially, two people, or sorry, three people agree to um, form a link each day. This is a line of lighted and loving communication. And they link together once a day in thought. Um, and sound together the great invocation. They visualize their triangle then within a planetary network of triangles. Um, and as they sound that, gr that great invocation, which is a world prayer, they visualize the release and circulation of spiritual energies throughout the entire etheric network and into the consciousness of all humanity. Today, we will have um, a returning guest, Evangelia Tsavdari, who will be speaking on the theme, Thinking, Feeling, and Action, a Triangular Relationship. Um, but before that, let us now move briefly into a um, meditation, a brief visualization followed by the sounding of the mantra on your screen and have a few slides here to we visualize the planet as a sphere of lighted energy Now you visualize within that sphere, a triangle. This is the triangle of the three primary planetary centers. Shambhala, the planetary head center, the spiritual hierarchy, the planetary heart, and humanity, the planetary throat center.
Visualize the circulation of energies flowing in all directions around the triangle from point to point, merging and blending the three points and filling the triangle with light. And now superimposed upon that triangle, visualize a five-pointed star. This is a star of the world teacher, linking east and west, past and future, and radiating the energy of love wisdom. At each point of the five-pointed star, which is the sphere of his activity, stands an outpost of his consciousness, the five planetary centers. Visualize the energies radiating forth from the center and through the five points of the planetary star. London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo. Visualize these outpouring energies enlivening small groups, gathering everywhere, aiding them to focus and direct the energies into the consciousness of all humanity, solving its problems, creating right human relations, and restoring peace on earth. We sound together the mantram. Radiance we are and power. We stand forever with our hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the earth, the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. We reach into the light and bring it down to meet the need. We reach into the silent place and bring from thence the gift of understanding. Thus with the light we work and turn the darkness into day. The triangle is a universal symbol recognized by all religions and philosophies throughout antiquity 
as a great symbol of deity. The primeval triangle, mother, father, and son, is represented with only slight variation in practically every cosmogony. Mother is the great symbol of nature and matter. Father, fire, the invisible deity whose will brings all things into existence. And the sun, the manifesting light, the sum total of all building forces and therefore the entire cosmos. While the triangle is the symbol of the manifested deity, the circle is the symbol of the unmanifested, uncognizable, and unknowable one from which it springs forth. The circle represents boundless space from which emerges the central point, the firstborn, or logos. Though metaphysically the circle has no number and is said and, and is said to know and, and is said that it can come under no calculation, once it quote falls into the manifested world, the central point appears and a diameter is drawn. The first line or diameter is mother father. Yet Upon reaching the circumference, the son is said to separate from the mother, mother and, quote, the word goes forth. The son is the logos, or word, and his separation from father-mother marks the individualization of all the cosmic forces. These are the great builders which construct the universe spirit, and substance in their many grades of blending and merging. And behind this great differentiation of forces stands the triangle as the triple godhead, the three in one, the great symbol of cosmogenesis. The number three also has special relevance to the evolutionary process. For though the triangle is the preeminent symbol of deity in the macrocosm, in man, the triangle is the soul, which is the linking principle between the lowest and the highest aspects of our nature. The soul is represented by the triangle, for it is triple in its nature, love, intellect, and sacrificial will, and it is microcosmically the sun, or progeny of spirit and matter, which thus produces the third and synthesizing point between them. Collectively, humanity is destined to be the planetary light bearer and contains within it the prototype of all manifested life on our earth. On our plane of consciousness, the will is the special possession of the human being, who by this special power establishes dominion over all the forces of nature, shepherding all life onwards towards the fulfillment of their evolutionary destiny. Every man and woman is potentially a perfected soul, a lord of will and compassion. The fulfillment of humanity's evolutionary potential sees the plan brought to an advanced stage of fulfillment, in part by means of the right application of the human will to the other kingdoms in nature. We are told that once accomplished, this will result in a special quality of light being emitted from our planet and that this will make a special contribution to the greater cosmic life in which our planet is only one part. The evolution of humanity is the evolution of the human soul, not its form. And this necessarily takes place upon the plane of mind. 
the secret doctrine tells us that the numbers three, four, and five hold the secret to the evolution of consciousness in our solar system, and therefore likewise to human evolution as well. The relationship of these numbers is perhaps most obvious in consideration of what we call the Antikarana. The Antikarana is the great bridge in consciousness which links across the entire mental plane, which is the fifth plane. The Antikarana links the lower and the higher mind. The Antikarana is the path itself, which the aspirant must construct from the medium of his or her own nature, that is, the content of one's consciousness as it is evoked and woven in all aspects of one's living, subjective and objective, spiritual and mundane, personal and relational. And in an explication of the relation of the numbers three and four, the secret doctrine states that on the highest plane of abstraction, the number four is the male principle, while three is feminine, and that on the plane of matter, the role is reversed. We can postulate then that the soul being the mediating principle at the center of the fifth or mental plane works through the medium of these two triangles in the construction of the Antikarana, or bridge of light. The higher triangle, being feminine, is a means through which macrocosmic forces and energies of a higher order can filter into human thought and ideation, while the lower triangle, being masculine, is the means of ascent and projection towards the higher. This, of course, produces a symbol, uh, uh, excuse me, produces the symbol popularly known as um, Solomon's seal. Or the star of Vishnu. As we visualize the triangles network and take part in this very important activity, we can imagine that every triangle is a symbol not just of deity and the emergence of light, but a means of projection on one hand and reception on the other. Through the collective web, Energies of a very high order can find their way into our planetary life from above and be circulated below, thereby completing the divine circulatory flow of light and love throughout the manifested all. So now let us proceed with our meditation. focus ourselves as a group upon the mental plane at the center of the even-armed cross of discipleship. We link in thought as a soul, as a point of love and light with all people throughout the world who are working in the Triangles Meditation Group. We sound together the affirmation of love. In the center of all love, I stand. From that center, I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad. In my heart, through my group, 
and throughout the world. Using the creative imagination, link with two other points of light to create a triangle of light. Now visualize the triangle in which you are working as an essential part of the Radiant Worldwide Triangles Network. And now we raise the consciousness into the light of the group soul, which is the heart of love, which underlies and infuses the network. Now lift your consciousness higher still to the world teacher who stands as the heart of love at the center of the spiritual hierarchy and also at the heart of each triangle. And hold the group mind open and receptive to this inpouring energy of love. We visualize the energies of love, light, and goodwill 
circulating in and around the triangles network from point to point and flowing out through the network into the hearts and minds of people everywhere. We visualize these energies unifying and eliminating all divisions within humanity, healing and transforming human consciousness and establishing right human relationships. We sound together the mantram of unification. The sons of men are one, and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight. Let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all people love. Visualize the whole planet alight with triangles and see new triangles being formed everywhere. Sound the great invocation. As you repeat each stanza, visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and humanity, and as a channel through which light and love and divine purpose flow into human consciousness. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. 
from the point of love within the heart of God. Let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills. The purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Oh. Thank you, everyone. Um, I'd like now to invite Evangelia to come on. Evangelia, are you there? Hi there, Michael. I'm here. Hello, everyone. From very near the Prime Meridian in Greenwich in London. Um, it's evening here, but uh, I'm guessing if most of you are stateside, good afternoon. Um, thank you for having me a second time, nonetheless. I'm very happy to be here. I'm just taking uh, a bit to collect myself after the meditation. Um, so I'd like to speak a bit uh, about some very common issues that um, are very relevant to our everyday experience, but also uh, our esoteric um, pursuits. Um, they are thinking, feel, feeling, and action, and the triangular relationship that exists between them. Michael has been kind enough to lay down a wonderful introduction, I guess. So I will start by saying a few things about um, these three concepts and then discuss them further. So although the triplicity of thinking feeling and action is very familiar to all. The definition of what is what and what does what may be a bit too set in our mind, establishing a dated and perhaps somewhat untrue departing point for our further reflection and understanding of these concepts. In the writings of Alice Bailey, the three components of the personality, the individual self, are the physical etheric body, the emotional aspect, and the intellect. Together, when fulfilled, it's in its own right and effectively linked to the other two. They constitute a distinct fourth quantity, the personality. Furthermore, 
we are informed that emotional integration is considered to be in the past of humanity's evolution and that at present we are focusing on intellectual integration. This has become the source of many misunderstandings because it seems to be encouraging and justifying the harsh mental outlook which we have come to consider normal and which is based principally on the arrogance of the concrete mind. However, what was fully developed in the past by humanity is the method for emotional integration, namely a mechanism integrated in modern human nature which can lead to emotional integration when permitted to develop. Very similar to what happens with the organs of speech, where having them doesn't automatically mean that one will develop the ability for conversation, possessing a mechanism for emotional integration does not equal spontaneous emotional integration. The mostly rigid intellectual outlook that we so often encounter at present is very rarely the hallmark of an integrated emotional nature. On the contrary, it is the expression of a defensive mechanism whereby the non-feeling mind overtakes the function of feeling with the aim to protect the latter from the abusive interactions, potentially abusive interactions, with its inner and external environment. Two are the main consequences of the forcibly established presence of the intellect. The emotional nature is not offered the opportunity to mature and gain experience, and the intellect becomes inherently arrogant and domineering of the whole human system. Psychology is a discipline which currently is mainly engaged in the right development and or the redemption of the emotional nature. Today, many of us would characterize ourselves as intellectual, although the mechanism for mental integration, as we are told in esoteric teachings, has not yet been fully developed by our human race. In some schools of esotericism, humanity's present stage is described as Kama Manasik, a hybrid or transitional stage between emotional or Kamic humanity and Manasik or intellectual humanity. What differentiates intellectual integration from the Kama Manasik stage of development? is the precedence of the mind in the former, as opposed to the precedence of emotion in the latter. A closer look at much of humanity's so-called intellectual achievements will show that they are motivated by the pursuit of comfort of an emotional physical pursuit. This can be translated into the fight against disease and pain, or into technological advance, advancements, which fundamentally seek to secure better access to resources or prevent and regulate the sharing of one's resources. It may be that our lofty accomplishments have rather humble beginnings and motivations. At the moment, much of our thinking revolves around making ourselves or others feel more comfortable. It is the mind that is serving the physical etheric body and the emotional nature. In esotericism, two distinct paths of evolution or of development are identified. These are roughly known as the mystical 
or aspirational path and the occult or executive path. When it comes to the mystical or aspirational pathway, we have an upward motion. We have a person anchored in physical reality who is trying to feel their way upwards to something that they are sensing is of better, let's say, or higher quality than their own self. When we come to the executive or occult pathway of development, we have a degree of integration whereby an individual considers that that, let's say, higher or loftier quality or um, finer quality exists within themselves and they, their efforts are directed in a sense downwards or outwards in expressing this quality, which is finer, but is also part of themselves into the physical reality. Or if looking down from the plane of thought into emotional reality. These pathways are not supposed to be mutually exclusive, but they're supposed to both work simultaneously. The first one would refer to the integration of two etheric centers in the human body. The mystical path concerns the integration, let's say, of uh, the solar plexus and the heart. And the executive or occult path concerns the integration of the throat center with um, the sacral center. When these two developments unfold simultaneously, what happens is that a third pathway becomes energized and that would be the pathway linking the base center to the crown center. And that is quite, let's say, an advanced stage of development whereby the, the entire human nature is um, functional. To come back to our, daily, to our daily life and how we perceive thinking, feeling, and action, uh, one thing that's worth clarifying in our thought is that very often what we call thinking is very much just a spontaneous reaction to, to our needs and our desires. So it's very much governed by feeling. And in its turn, action the resulting action is motivated again by feeling via practical thinking. In uh, A Treatise in White Magic, a book by Alice Bailey, in Rule 11, there is a set of, um, of uh, let's say, proposals on how one is to approach thinking. And what is quite clearly set out there is that thinking has to be directed not in personal pursuits and not in the pursuits of individual comfort, but rather up and outward as it is expressed in a treatise in white magic. 
by reflecting on that, what I came to realize is that much of what we are um, what we are calling thinking today is uh, not exactly that, but it's rather an automatic, let's say, um, function uh, whose motivation is very, very humble, um, to put it um, nicely. As far as uh, feeling goes now, sensitivity is uh, supposed to be the main quality that we're supposed to be using in this um, second solar system in which the, the second aspect of deity, love and wisdom, is, uh, is developed. Uh, currently, what we are, we, ha we are doing as humanity is that we are shunning right feeling. We are um, oppressing right feeling. We are um, considering that feeling is not worth talking about and it's not uh, worth working on. And we are very much focused on cultivating our intellect as we call it. However, we know that the factor of relationship, relationship between human beings and relationship between human beings and other kingdoms in nature, relationship between anything is very much the outcome of the the, the operation of this second aspect, this feeling, this sensitive aspect. I, I, I have been talking very much about the lowest possible expression of this aspect, which is actually the emotional nature in our personalities. And the reason I have been doing that is because we have the tendency to want to run before we have actually learned how to walk meaning that we are seeking to integrate personality and soul when we haven't yet integrated um, the aspects of our personality. The implications of having a personality that is not yet coordinated are evident in, uh, in the way our world is today because essentially we can't really express in our world anything that we haven't um, yet learned how to use, integrated and learned how to regulate in our individual selves. Um, in uh, individual life, what we see is, as I said, a very harsh intellect domineering an emotional nature and um, a physical body. Macrocosmically or in our external environment, what we see is this practical thinking, this uh, intellectual pursuits, oppressing uh, compassion, oppressing empathy, oppressing sharing and abusing the natural resources of uh, our home, the planet. This is the analogy. I am following rather closely what Dalai Lama is, um, is publishing in social media because uh, I think that it's worth, it's worth reading what he has to say. And what I've noticed in the the few years that I've been doing that is that every post that he makes is about compassion. It's about compassion. It's about sharing. Nowhere, nowhere does he mention um, knowledge or um, intellect or strength or might or any such qualities. And I think the reason is that we have to work on what is lacking rather than what is already there in abundance. And with that, I will 
I will close and um, I will invite you to share your thoughts and perhaps your experience in your own efforts to integrate the aspects of your personality. Thank you very much. Um, please put your hands up. You can do that by going to reactions and then pressing Grace hand. And that way we can actually see you and invite you to unmute, unmute yourselves and say what you have to say. Thank you so much, Evangelia. Thank you, Michael. Oh, looks like Don Stuber had his hand up and then he put it down. Second thoughts. Maybe. Don, just raise your hand again if you want to speak. Okay, Don. Also, well, if you're trying to speak, you can also write something in the chat. <laughs> Well, eventually, that was a, a great presentation. Thank you so much. It was a lot packed in there. And I have a lot of <clears throat> myself personally, I just wrote a lot of notes and ideas that were sort of sparked from a lot of what you shared. So thank you for such a rich presentation. One of the things that came to mind, though, is that this idea, it's an esoteric idea, not really an idea, it's just sort of an assertion, I guess, but that the human form is um, like the like the human form is actually already perfect because the third aspect was completed in a, in a previous soul, in a previous solar system so the human form is actually is actually already perfected but what we need to do is now is to appropriate that form and to learn to use it wisely so learn to to use the emotions to use the mind you know appropriately that's just a thought precisely mm -hmm. i I'm, I'm in complete agreement, but let's see what David Trice has to say. Okay, let's see um, Ask to him. David Trice, you can unmute now. Can you hear me? Yep. Yes, Evangelia, I have a question for you. What part does the dweller on the threshold play in integrating the personality with the soul? Well, what we know is that when, when the three aspects of the personality are sufficiently integrated and linked to each other, so essentially they form a highly functional and very well-coordinated unit, then that, um, let's say, that, um, that whole they are forming which we call the personality becomes the dweller in the threshold because it becomes a thing um, of its own. It has a will of its own. It has desires as we very well know, and it has a physical, uh, physical um, substance that it doesn't readily want to abandon. Therefore, I'd say that the dweller on the threshold is a, is a highly evolved personality, which is uh, evolved enough to be in the position to challenge the solar angel and, let's say, um, face, the, face the solar angel and um, ask it to come forth. Um, I'd say that the dweller on the threshold is a challenge for the solar angel to assert um, its, um, its effectiveness. Going back to what Michael commented before. Thank you very much. Thank you, David. Thanks. These are, I mean, these are like esoteric, esoteric concepts esoteric concepts but essentially i guess that what it comes down to in um, in daily life is that at some point we realize that we are quite capable we are quite capable of living effectively in our world and that we may be able to influence others to generate wealth to influence our environment that way or the other way 
And that's when a choice has to be made as to which directions, direction we are going to move toward. Uh, that's my own understanding of how the dweller on the threshold operates. Thank you very much. Thanks. Okay, let's have a look at the chat. Um, what I can read is the human form can be explored from monad to personality. This it may be considered as a quantum or a replica of deity, says Pablo Diarderbal Vice. Oh my God, I'm sure I'm not saying the name correctly and I'm sorry. But Pablo, I, I absolutely agree. I think the idea of um, fractal existence applies and it's quite uh, a good way to see how our, our nature unfolds um, from, from the way up into the physical plane. Um, John Horan, um, would you like to unmute yourself? Thank you and bravo Evangelia. Hi. I really liked one of the final points you made, which was about the works of the Dalai Lama, uh, because we often think of ourselves as people of the mind. You pointed out that the Dalai Lama stresses compassion, not intellect or power or strength or anything else, because that is what is lacking. And a very, the essence of clarity, a very simple way of pointing out what we most need to develop, compassion. And I thank you for pointing that out for us. Well, thank you. It's very easy to um, converse with people who agree with you. <laughs> so um, thank you. But um, I'm guessing that from our everyday experience, um, if we set aside the complexity, and I mean, I do have a mind, and my mind, like everyone's mind, tends to generate complexity, I, I find that being, a little, being nicer to the people we encounter every day just makes things a little bit easier. Um, maybe it's not, it, it, it's not reciprocated always, but I don't think that matters very much. Um, I know I'm happy when I, I manage to actually be nice to the people that I, I come in contact with every day. So, um, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a timeless value, I guess, being compassionate and trying to empathize. Not easy, but useful. Thanks, eventually. It seems so simple, but it's those... It's those daily, normal and mundane moments that actually do often determine the content of our consciousness. You know, it's not just like, you know, consciousness isn't just like in deep meditation or on the plane of soul or on plane of mind. It's on, on, on every plane. So thank you for that reminder. It's one I definitely need. I know myself personally. So thank you. Absolutely. Reminding myself to Michael. <laughs> So would anyone else like to say anything or ask anything? Because now is the time as we're nearing the end of our webinar. Okay. All right. Why don't we go ahead and close and eventually, I think that was a good, um, really good discussion period and uh, excellent presentation. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much, Evangeli. I really appreciate you coming on here. Let's go ahead and just close with a moment of silence.
Thank you. And just one reminder, actually, while it's on my mind, is that um, in a few weeks' time, we will have daylight savings once again later in March. So please be on the lookout for shifts in the time of the webinar. We will notify all of you by email. We'll also make sure to announce it here the weeks as well. It won't be next week, but um, later in March. Um, always, you know, the UK and US never move to daylight savings at the same time. So there's sort of a, a change in time for half the webinar audience. So just to flag that for everyone to watch out for as you move into the month of March. Have a good day, everyone.